Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here in week five of the Deepen podcast. Boy, these have been really fun. Some great conversations. Uh, hopefully a lot of really good fruit coming out of them. Uh, I've enjoyed listening back to them. So if it's just if it's just me, I love it. Um, so Pastor Joby, tonight you dove into the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just give a little recap. That's probably helpful. A little recap of the, sh- the shtick, where it went. What was your, what was your goal? In the, so I guess the, the leading question in this Upside Down Kingdom is what are you doing with your life? Because we live in a world... I mean, from the youngest of ages, we are just immersed in this idea of like what you do is who you are, and this world wants us to get on what I've called the merry-go-round of normality, where you just get in the education system, then graduate, get you a job, buy stuff you don't need, die, and then so what? And what a waste of a life. And I think the parable of the talents calls us to answer that question, what are you doing with the things that God has given you? And we will all one day give an account to the master. Hmm. And the the real key is to avoid the comparison trap and to just take all the treasures, and I don't just mean money, take all the treasures, talent, opportunities that you've been given and leverage them to treasure him before all things. Mm -hmm. And that is the unwasted life. Yeah. That is the life worth living. Yeah. So the the first thing I thought of when you started talking was this idea of like finding your calling yep. and finding your purpose. And I, uh, it wasn't that long ago that I felt like I was wrestling with that question, you know. And you, know, you meet people in their twenties or college, or really, I mean, it could be any age. But uh, what what's the difference between somebody who's like, I just want to find my purpose in life, and kind of what you're talking about? Well, um, we've all been given the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, God's plan for your life is to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's Mm -hmm. everybody's purpose for their Mm -hmm. life, to the glory of God. So then the question is, so what is my role in that? So Mm -hmm. you've got to start there, not start with like me and I'm a snowflake and I'm unique. That's not what we're talking about. You Mm -hmm. are unique. And God... I thought about this tonight. God somehow in his infinite wisdom decided he would be more glorified by creating you. But the only way he is is when you're the you that he had in mind when he created you. Mm -hmm. That's not just, that's different than you do you and you've just got to be your authentic self and do whatever you want to do. That's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You're saying a part of it is like, I am the talent that I am investing and and whatever you do with me is yours. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what we're all created for. Um, I, I do want to be very careful, though, to not, like, the calling is not only in full-time vocational ministry and everybody mm-hmm. else has just a job. For sure. for sure. So we talked about that a little bit, too, that we're all called to be co-creators with the Creator. Whether you're building houses, man, it's to the glory of God, but you're not just building houses. You're rearranging the raw goods of this world, mm-hmm. cement and wood and all the things you take mm-hmm. to build a house. And then God grows a family in there. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, man, what a worthy endeavor. You're not just a doctor. Mm-hmm. Man, you are 
you were participating with the great physician to bring healing in our land. Mm -hmm. What a what a sacred endeavor. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just a teacher, but you're helping make disciples of one more generation. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure our folks hear and see that. But I do believe there are a lot of people that God put a call to ministry in their life, like something specific. Mm -hmm. And especially maybe like back then, and they took that thing and they dug a hole and they buried it. Mm -hmm. And it is laying buried somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked to people this week, talked to a lady, dear, she's going to know who I'm talking about when she listens to this. And I know she listens. And she's like, I feel like I'm supposed to write a book. And I'm like, then you need to be writing the book. What are you doing? That's the kind of thing I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. Or God texted me, a guy we know, used to be like on staff ministry. Now he's doing some other things. And now he's all wrestling with this, what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. And all I know to tell you is do what he tells you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Larry Osborne has this great teaching where he's talking about your fulfilling your potential mm -hmm. versus fulfilling your calling. You want to give a little recap of kind of what he said? Because it's, I mean, it's yeah. Really yeah. I good. think we mentioned it last week. Yeah, we um, <clears throat> Thanks for listening. Yeah. I did listen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, like my mom says, I've slept since then. So it was an hour and a half long. So uh, there's many words. Yeah, Larry Larry Osborne, a pastor in San Diego, a sage. He he says that you know we are caught up in this potential trap, and mm -hmm. that the, we think that that our greatest good is to fulfill our potential, but it's not. Our greatest good is to fulfill our calling. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, what Paul's talking about in Corinthians when he says it'd be good that you stay single. The moment the three of us married our wives, we cut our potential in ministry at least in half. Mm -hmm. And so, but to not marry our wives would have been disobedient to what God has called us to do. Mm -hmm. And so fulfilling God's call in your life is the goal, not just fulfilling potential. Yeah. Yeah, and that's certainly not the same thing for sure. You said tonight um, there's no divide between secular and sacred. And... And I was specifically I was talking, about talking about vocational Correct. work. And one of the things I started to think about was the fact that whatever you give your hand to, whatever activity you give yourself to in regards to work or really anything, that in God's determinative glory, He is going to use that thing for good and glory, regardless of your intention, regardless of in the grand narrative of Scripture – he is going to redeem all things. All things are going to terminate on His glory one way or the other. It may right? be in His judgment, right? So uh -huh, totally. You may be a greedy banker and He crushes you for it, for His glory. Yeah. He, uh, Most him, people don't have a category for that. Him adopting His enemies as family and Him overthrowing His enemies when it's all said and done, He gets the equal amount of glory in these things. Mm -hmm. And so, praise God, praise God. We're going to be, those of us who love Him and who are called according to purpose are going to be cheering for Him Period. Mm. We're just cheering for him. Correct. Okay. So you take that big 50,000-foot kind of high-level glory God thought, and you bring it down to the sacred nature of your work. And that work is not just your job that you get paid for. It is the, the, the purpose or the re the purpose under which God has called you to live, therefore, therefore, child rearing or marriage or that all of these things that make up your life, that this is the work of cultivating and having dominion and you said bringing all these things together 
and seeing life come out of them. So there's no like secular, like all parenting is sacred. Correct. Okay. All marriage is sacred because these are things given by God. In the same sense, work is sacred. Correct. Right? That God has given you hands and feet and abilities and talents. Okay. What I was thinking about tonight is how you do the work and what you do with the fruit of the work is how you experience the joy and the fruit of its sacred nature. How you do it and what you do with the fruit of it, that is where, that's the telling thing. Yeah, it can either be idolatry or worship. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have the same job. Mm -hmm. So think about the parable. There are bankers that received investments Mm -hmm. to fulfill the five-talent and two-talent guys' obedience. Mm -hmm. So God used their their banking as a part of his plan. But what you're saying is actually right. I I think about this very popular verse in Isaiah that even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, Mm -hmm. but also our righteous deeds can be worship, Mm -hmm. Matthew 25. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. That was that was like mm-hmm. a positive. He did not look at that and say, that's filthy rags. He looked at that and said, mm-hmm. it's evidence that you know me. So what's the difference? The difference is, am I doing those righteous deeds to earn my righteousness, filthy right. rags, or am I doing it out of a right standing mm-hmm. worship? Mm-hmm. Same thing with what you're saying. Yeah. So, because, man, I t- I'll tell you, I just, there's a lot of, man, we have some incredible people at our church that run all kinds of businesses, mm-hmm. that employ all kinds of people. And the last thing I want to do in this topic under the upside-down kingdom is to have some CEO or president of a company or some guy that em- or girl that employs 10 or 12 people um, not understand how God is using them to supply the needs for those 10 or 12 families. Mm-hmm. And that that is a, a part of God's provision in the life of these families mm-hmm. as a piece of what God's doing to bless that family and use that family to his glory. It's a really big deal. Just do it in a way that is God glorifying. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, God asked me a question. I'd been in ministry for a little while, and for sure, it was he was preparing me for for this place and where where and how I get to serve here. I was in ministry full-time, pastoring at a church, and I just remember God asked me one day, I was leading a volunteer team, a small volunteer team, and and I was getting ready for a huddle where we were going to have just talk about the stuff you talk about pre-service, right? And, or, and God asked me the question, he said, Ryan, do you really believe that these people have as much or more kingdom potential than you do. And I thought, and do you treat them that way? Yeah. And it was a very marking, and I'm not saying I get it right every time or I have, but it was a very marking word from the Lord because it was like, it was very clear in my mind that I was here as a pastor shepherd to help them walk out in the ministry that God had for them. They are not here to help me do the thing that I'm trying to do. And somewhere throughout church history, uh, it's very clear, you know, over the however many of the last few decades, one of the things that has happened in kind of the like come and see church mm-hmm. movement, 
the, the consumer a consumer Christianity anywhere it's taken hold is that pastors and leaders and shepherds and church staff and folks who are in full time vocational ministry unto the church have a intentionally or not can easily emasculate the priesthood of the believer yeah. and and think that what do you mean he asked you so that was like a moment like a like a spiritually significant moment for you yes i'm just asking for another reason it explains a lot then what about what, you? what he asked me that question yeah well what it explains you've never told me that cuz you we all believe ephesians that that our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There's an, every, all of us that are in leadership here at this church. We talk about it. I do talks about it at conferences, whatever. But you bang the drum in the actual meetings where we're making decisions and talking about serve staff. You bang that drum like nobody I've ever heard before. And it's probably because if you're attributing that question to God asking you, then I would I would be banging the drum a lot louder too if I associated that part of the scriptures with some like really supernatural, significant spiritual moment with the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, but, and you're dead on, man, you're dead on. Like we're not on the front lines of ministry. Mm-hmm. We're like that. Uh, we read a, I don't want to take credit for this cause it's such a great idea. We read a vision summit years ago and this guy says we need to be like the aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. You know, the aircraft carrier doesn't actually fight the battles. It launches all the fighters into the battles. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good image, mm-hmm. right? That we're equipping people, filling, fueling them, sending them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Into their life. And so their life very well could be to the ends of the earth, across the ocean. Praise God, we're going to send as many. I would say it is no matter what. It's either like you're either part of the prayer team, the funding team, or the going team. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then, but the ends of the earth also includes the Publix checkout line. Mm-hmm. It just does, man. If you're the bagger at Publix, then work as unto the Lord. Like if you thought about that, that that mm-hmm. is the one um, like benefit that we have. It's easy for us to be reminded. It, okay, for me, it's easy for me tonight to be reminded I am working unto the Lord. We sang songs unto the Lord before I talked. We prayed prayers unto the Lord before I talked. Somebody got baptized unto the Lord before I talked, and then I opened the Lord's Word. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I could see how, if I was a football coach, mm-hmm. how it would be easy for me to not keep front and center, this is unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because the the immediate goals that you set of the things that you want to accomplish that week could get in front of you, and then and you forget real quickly, in my opinion, you are called, man, if you're a football coach, you are called to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Every bit as much as leaving Tyler in Africa For right sure. now. Mm-hmm. And I want people to see that. Man, I was, as I'm preaching tonight, I'm just looking. And I'm thinking there's a, um, there's a, like a oral surgeon sitting over there to my right. And if you don't think that brother's not doing ministry, then you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like three people down, there's a, a, a doctor that we all know that, has been put on this planet to try to find a cure for cancer, mm-hmm. right? There's a home builder right over here. And some of the times when I give examples, all I'm doing is I'm looking, I'm like, I know what he does, I know what she does, I know what they do. And I'm just trying to say, mm-hmm. it seems to me from my perspective, you are, it's like the father has done to take your kid to work day mm-hmm. and you are at work. Mm-hmm. 
for the glory of God. You're, you're kind of addressing this in what you're saying, because I was going to ask that question. Like, what is it that makes people view what you do as something so much different than what they do? Like, um, because it, it is definitely different. So how, talk a little bit more about that. How could somebody see it as like, hey, this is basically for the same goal? Because I think a lot of people feel like, it's like, you know, maybe when we were younger, it was like being a missionary. It's like, well, that was the pros. Like, yeah, was it. You know, go be a missionary. I mean, if you really were serious, you'd go move to who, who knows where and be a missionary. Maybe, maybe the equivalent today is like, hey, if you really were, you'd like, you'd choose not to advance in your career for all this money and you'd, you'd go serve in the church or whatever whatever it is. So how do you encourage that person who is wrestling with that? Because I think it's very common that people see that that would be like the legit thing to do would be go do one of those things. One, I think a lot more people should go and be missionaries than currently are. <laughs> and so I don't want to like answer that question. Mm-hmm. And because like, some people might use that as an excuse, like, well, I'm just going to, no, no, I'm called here to be my invest, to do it, be an investment banker for Jesus. You know yeah. what I mean? That, and so it's all about the heart, right? Well, that's what you said about your, you had a great line tonight about abandoning the faithful. You get busy with the comfortable as to avoid being faithful. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, not feel like my. There's a part of me that did, that can easily believe and does believe that you probably should lead with the foot that God wants me to go be a missionary, and then have Him prove to you. Yeah, that's good. What, where you're supposed to be a missionary? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? In this day and, and so, age, too, man. There's there is. I mean, we live in an incredible time. I know it's jacked up, but it's an incredible time because yeah. J.D. Greer says something to the effect of whatever you do, do to the glory of God, but do it on mission with God or mm-hmm. something like that. That's right. And so, and a part of what he's talking about, we've done a little bit of this here, but man, you graduate from UNF with whatever, your nursing degree. Why not go to, why not go to Edinburgh and, and vo- volunteer at, the church that we help plant there and be a missionary there and let the hospital pay for it instead of like, you got to raise funds and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some of those opportunities that are available today that Mm -hmm. I don't know that were necessarily available in the early days of NAM and those kind of things. To your question about it's the comparison game that he talked about tonight. Mm -hmm. It's, it's sometimes people will look at a a pastor or minister Mm-hmm. Church staff's life through the lens, through the filtered lens of the part that they see, mm-hmm. and a motivation could be, oh man, it just looks like all day, every day they get to just like pray with people nonstop and read the Bible, and you know, the, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Man, noble, right? Praying, praying for people. We do a lot of that. I'm not saying that that that's just not that is not all by any means, the things that fill up a pastor's or, or a minister's mm-hmm. life. Uh, and so there's some of that. There was just like a, they don't really understand quite yet. And in that, if you do feel the nudge toward ministry and you th- move, just move closer to it. That's all I can tell you to do is just move closer to it. Serve, 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 serve. Get Try to get as clear a picture as you can as what life in the local church looks like. So right. how do they do that here? Somebody's listening right now, watching right now, and they've heard the sermon or whatever. 
what are the st- like I, I know that there's an answer to this, so this is not a setup. <clears throat> what steps could they take with the Church of 1122 to discover if God has a call on their life as a full-time vocational missionary or on, you know, full-time mm-hmm. vocational ministry? We have we have a school of ministry that exists for this reason. Mm-hmm. So we have an apprenticeship program that's a one-year program where you say, I think God might be calling me to something in in full-time mm-hmm. ministry. Um, and so that, that year exists to help you vet through that call and work through that call in while doing ministry in the local church in a ministry area, you know. And some apprentices do it two years and three years and four years. It's not like God gave us the – he's like, if you do this for one calendar year, I'll be sure to answer all your questions. Mm-hmm. So some, sometimes it's – and then from the apprenticeship, we also have what is an internship, which is – a two-year track where you enter into that, mm-hmm. and you, to, in order to enter into that, you need to be able to clearly articulate a, f- a call to full-time vocational ministry, meaning I am signing up for obscurity unto the glory of God to pour my life out for the gospel in service of Jesus' wife, which is the bride of Christ, forever and ever. I, that's what I feel like. I can't imagine my life mm-hmm. not serving in the local church full-time, mm-hmm. right? And so if there's... Any category by which you think you should, could be content and happy and fulfilled in life, d- don't go do that track. But if you're like, this is it for me. Mm-hmm. That's the, I'm, this is it for me. It's all I got. It's all we got. This is our, the, and so you step into the internship. Mm-hmm. We also have a church planner's residency. We also have incredible staff and key serve staff leaders and disciple group leaders that you can get close to them and learn much. I mean, at the end of the day, like, if you have an affinity, like, you're just like, man, I'd really like to raise up teenagers serving students. Mm-hmm. We have some of the best student pastors, student leaders, student ministers in the country. And I'm not I'm not saying that because I'm about We really have some of the best. Mm-hmm. Get involved in students. Or you're like, I want to, you know, serve in X, Y, or Z part of the neighborhood or community. No problem. we got community partners all over the city, you can go to. So there's, just serve your way into, but don't sit and wait Correct. for that right. door just to open. Just step into it one step at a time and just see what God does. It's and probably I, not going to move as fast as you want to, but when you get when in ten years when you look back, you're going to go. God knows what He's doing. Yeah, I think the heart behind it all, even though that's the first time I've heard your story about God asking you the question, is we believe the answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. We think the people that are here at eleven twenty two have every bit as much of kingdom potential as any of us do. For sure. But I don't know about y'all, but for for me as a teenager feeling called into full-time ministry, there was no track. Mm-hmm. It was like, if you can make it to seminary when you get out of college, you should. Between here and there, good luck. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. The church I was attending, the pastor said, all right, we're going to make up this thing for you. Why don't you be an intern? He just, mm-hmm. you know, let me do stuff. But... We're trying to say, mm-hmm. if God has called you to take a step, your church is here to help you take the next step. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in Love 22, right? You could be listening from wherever. For we sure. got people that move in from all over the place. Yeah. And we love that because we love resourcing the body of yeah. Christ all over the place, you know? I would say one more thing that our multiplication team has a great process. Like if somebody feels like they might be. Uh, considering or being called to long-term missionary service, they have a great process of discernment that they take folks through. So yeah. that's extremely helpful because they'll ask you the question, kind of like what you're saying, hey, w- 
let's dig into the why and uh, what's behind it and try to figure out if it's actually the best thing for you and for the the people that you would go serve to. Yeah, no problem. And then there's a whole other category of folks that's like they don't necessarily feel called into the full-time ministry Mm -hmm. vocationally like what we're talking about. However, they sit there and they listen tonight and they go, you know, I really do want to treat specifically my workplace environment, mm-hmm. the, what gets the majority of the time in my day, as sacred. Mm-hmm. I want I want to yeah. be an effective disciple-maker. Right. And one of the things I would say to them is, one, make sure that you're in a disciple-making relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Come to church, be in a group, have a key point of service, self-feed. You're li- mm-hmm. If you're hearing this, you're listening to this, which is a part of self-feeding, read the scriptures, those for sure, all that stuff. There's countless resources available at your fingertip at any point in time if you want to grow in a relationship with Jesus in the world we live in. There's no excuse that you don't deepen your relationship with Jesus, Correct. specifically from a content side. I mean, the content out in the world is just unbelievable. Um, you can go to our coet2.com slash resources. We have endless resources that we can point you to based on whatever you want to dig into. There's that, but then there's the line you say all the time which is if you want to deepen your relationship with Jesus, get busy helping someone else discover theirs. Correct. Just start. Correct. Just have a, just start prayer time at work. Yeah. Just start a Bible study with one person. And you, you might read the Bible study the night before you sit down with them, no problem. Correct. Just start mm-hmm. making a disciple, teaching. And I do think it's, it's a point of clarity that – when we talk about making disciples, we're not just talking about being being nice to people. We're not just talking about like being friendly at work. Right. We're talking about teach people to obey mm-hmm. everything I've commanded you. Everything mm-hmm. that Jesus said. Correct. Mm-hmm. And to love, to obey him from a place of loving him right. because they understand what he's done for them and who he is. Mm-hmm. So making disciples is teaching people to follow Jesus, not being making, a, not, making friends. Not being a nice neighbor. So here's a loaded question because I know the Only. Uh, so what do I do if I am in a workplace situation that forbids the kind of things that you're talking about? Mm. Can't bring a Bible, can't open my Bible at, you know, whatever, can't talk to the... I'm, I am, I'm not allowed to talk to these people about Jesus stuff. What, what would you do? What would you suggest in those kind of environments? Mm-hmm. My, you have a preloaded answer. I do. Yeah, (laughs) but my quick one would be build relationships to where you can Mm -hmm. invite people into your home. Mm -hmm. You can you can find you can you have the relationship that allows for the conversation anywhere and anytime that you can get it. And I would really press hard on it's not allowed. What is it we're talking about? But that's a whole other thing. So my mind goes to Daniel in Babylon, mm-hmm. and he thrived. And there were some things that he resolved, I will not do. I will not eat the king's food because it's been sacrificed to idols. So if it ends me up dead, I'm dead. So I may lose my job over this one. So there's some things Jesus has called us to do mm-hmm. that you've got to resolve to. Mm-hmm. But yet, somehow he navigates himself in Babylon in such a way that he gains such influence with the king that at one point they're doing worship services again. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is uh, be wise about it, okay? You don't need to go in like guns a-blazing trying to attack hell with a water gun, Mm -hmm. that 
there probably is a sandbox in which you can play. I mean, mm-hmm. we, for those of us in America, we, we do have some freedoms and a lot more than people think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should do it in such a way where you honor the people in authority over you mm-hmm. so that you can earn the right to be trusted to continue increasing your discipleship efforts. And in the long run, especially if it's from the right heart, you know, if you're if you're doing that not to be a martyr, but if you're doing that in order to be a disciple maker, I believe God will really smile on it and bless it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's right. If you operate in the spirit of humility in the name right. of Jesus Christ, He will exalt you. That's fine. Mm-hmm. He will. Yeah. And so that's a really good word. One of the things we um, can I switch? Can I turn a yeah. little bit? I was going to say it matters how you are as a worker. You know, true. Uh, because I mean, think about Daniel and Joseph. Even you know, like. They were given favor. God gave them favor, but they were also really good at what they did. So it's one thing to go they in and like, yeah, they worked hard. It's one thing to be like, nobody respects my message. Well, nobody respect like if you didn't say anything, nobody would respect you as a worker. Right. Um, well, I was listening tonight, and I was trying to think through what are some obstacles that people face, or traps that people fall in, whatever word you want to use, that uh, what are some of the big obvious obstacles or maybe not so obvious ones to walking in step with God's will, God's plan, God's purpose in your life? Yeah. And so that's really what you're talking about is are you, do what he says. Yep. Follow the will of God. Yep. You know, you're like, well, I just need to know the will of God. Read the Bible. Make disciples. You know, the question is how do you specifically do that? Tomorrow and the day after, and and also there may be some specific things, places, people that he's calling you to do that thing too, right? Correct. Regardless of the the measure or the magnitude, we're all wanting to walk in God's will. What are some of the big obstacles into walking in God's will? Let me just throw out a couple of these things that I wrote down, and then you just speak to them. One big, the biggest obstacle we talked about it the first week, the whole nursing the church. The biggest obstacle that I see in the modern North American church, maybe even in our church, is what you said tonight, sloth slash apathy. It's the same thing. It is a spiritual, emotional apathy. That is the number one thing keeping people from walking in the full life of Jesus, the will of God, the purpose and plan that God has for their life. So just speak to me about... um, Complacency, apathy, the, the, the just the poison that 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 is at work. So we get lulled to sleep by this kingdom, man, and we start to love the things that this world loves, and we forget about things like widows and orphans and folks dying and lost people not hearing the gospel because we are drunk on the comforts of this world, and we're primarily waking up in the morning thinking about what we are going to eat and what we're going to watch that night and how comfortable we're going to be in our nice homes and in our nice backyards. And we lose the wartime mentality that we are at war against an enemy and that Jesus has come on a rescue mission for us. And the moment we get rescued, we're part of the rescue team. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what happens, man. We, we take our eyes off of the goodness and glory of God. We take our eyes off the fact that it's the master that has entrusted us with everything and we think the things that we have are ours, and we use them to make us comfortable instead of leverage them for the kingdom. Mm. And I'm telling you, every commercial you watch, everything you hear on the radio is is 
luring you into that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is the air we breathe. And we began to, I mean, John Piper's got this beautiful quote about prayer. He's like, we have dumbed down prayer to like an intercom in the house where we push the button to call upstairs for another cool drink. And it's supposed to be a wartime walkie-talkie to request greater supplies on the front lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not praying that way every day. Mm-hmm. I'm praying my kids have a good day at school. Mm-hmm. That's different than how can I send them as missionaries into this school. Every single one of us, I, I'm the first one to admit I get lulled into it. Mm-hmm. Me too, man. I feel it around every corner, like. I'm in my twenties. It take many hours to unpack this, but your twenties? No, just this whole journey. You know, I've been some crazy places. Sure. Without fear. Remember, we went to Crackdown. I do remember Crackdown. That's yeah. That was cool. Is one way to say it for sure. (laughs) You might want to provide Um, some context for that. We were on a mission mission trip in Brazil in Rio, and one of the slums that we help partner in ministry in in Rio is called Cracktown, Mm -hmm. and it literally is where people who are strung out on crack. There's there's a railroad track that runs down the middle of it. On one side of the railroad track is where the crack dealers are. And on the other side of the railroad track is where all the crack users are. Mm -hmm. And they live in lean-tos, passed out, sleeping on old ratty mattresses, face down in the mud. We saw them. We were stepping over them, passed out. Mm -hmm. In between the crack dealers and the crack users is a sea of half-burned plastic cups. Because the way they smoke crack, they're so broke and poor, the only way they can smoke the crack is they have these plastic cups that are filled with a little bit. They have a little water in the bottom of them, and they're covered on top, and they put the crack on top, and that's how they – it's like a makeshift bong or whatever. I don't don't even know they're all the right terms. but And it is – I'm not talking about one or two or 10,000. Million. I'm talking millions. You cannot step without stepping on these cups. So Pastor Joby and I are there, and we're ministering with this this guy – that, oh, that a, a guy and his team yeah. um, of Brazilians that do ministry two or three days a week in this slum. And they hand Pastor Jovi a Fanta. Did you have the Fanta or did I? <laughs> I, th- I feel like I had the Fanta and you had like yeah, a loaf you, of bread. You had a, you had a one liter of Fanta <laughs> and I had a bag of lo- buttered loaf bread that they were passing out. This is like – and as we're walking around the corner headed toward the crack dealer's the road is blown out, like 10 feet deep dug out. And, and Pastor Joby's like, what's that about? They're like, oh, they blow the road out so the police can't get back here. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we keep walking, and we straight walk up on these card tables. There's probably eight or 10 card tables sitting out around this corner with mountains of crack cocaine on them. Just, I'm not talking about like little baggies. I'm talking about stacked up crack cocaine well i thought well we're not in kansas anymore and they had like uzis they, yeah assault like <laughs> uzis uzis <laughs> like tech vice uzis like tat tat i mean you're we're in it mm-hmm. and the man who had been doing ministry in this slum for years and years and years and years and years he's been showing up multiple days a week for years Loving on these brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. 
ministering to them when they're when they're doing their parents' funerals, doing the friend their friends' funerals when they get killed. When a crackhead dies, he's he, I mean he's just in there doing ministry, man. I'm talking sh- beautiful ministry. And he comes in and and the the head honcho drug dealer whistles. He sees the pastor we're with come and he whistles and the pastor kind of helps this 20-year-old Brazilian lady that's under one of his disciples that he's discipling and she just lays the gospel down on him, man. Just preaching it, just getting at it. No doubt. And they're all listening and she's just preaching. And when they stopped, everything stopped. Correct. Like all the crack selling stopped, all the crackheads had to back out. Like it was crazy. And there she just, and Joby's standing over there with his Fanta. I got my buttered bread, you know, and we're in the middle of it. And I'm, I'm, let me take a little theological turn here. I'm glad you brought, or you brought this up. I clearly remember standing in the middle of this scene, mm-hmm. thinking, and I've been in some really rough slums. And I just remember standing there thinking, what is keeping them from, kidnapping us, mm-hmm. killing us. I don't think they would kill us because there's no money in it. But what's in the, what's in what's keeping them from kidnapping us, at least stealing our passports worth which are worth, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars on a US passport on the black market. Um side note, I had one of those stolen in Peru one time. Different story. But and I just remember that sitting there thinking, and you know what's keeping them from coming at us? And it hit me in that moment, like it was a picture of the gospel. Do you know what was what was keeping them from coming at us? Nothing we had done. I had not done ministry in that community one time. I had earned no favor, no credit. Not, you know what was keeping them? It was not our phantom butter bread. It was not our butter bread. It was not. It was not our good looks, our boyish charm. So they don't. They've never even heard of the Church of Eleven Twenty Two. What do they care? None. Of, nothing we had done was keeping them from us. You know what it was? That brother that we were with. That's right. He had earned the credit, Mm -hmm. and they gave us that credit Mm -hmm. based on what he had earned. Mm -hmm. That it was like one of the most pointed pictures of the gospel of Jesus Christ I had ever experienced in my Mm -hmm. entire life. So we went to Cracktown. My point earlier was no fear. Yeah, me either. I I just for many, 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 many years I go wherever, do whatever, just crazy stories. Multiple times I've almost died from mission trip. Troubles, (laughs) Troubles, <laughs> you know. You should totally sign up to go on a mission trip right now <laughs> if you're listening. That That's said, worth it. The older I get, the 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 more I find myself afraid of things that I never thought mm. I would be afraid of. And the, you know what I mean? Like the more I think about, I don't know. It's to your point. Like I can I can easily fall into the like justification trap of comfort for the sake of and use like my kids as pawns in that game that's what i was gonna say i don't i don't i'm still not that afraid to put me wherever god tells me to go Mm -hmm. but i got a 16 year old and a 12 year old right now if that 16 year old in two years said here's what i want to do dad you know i want to take a gap year or two or three and go somewhere dangerous for the glory of god I hope, by God's grace, at that point, I will be able to say, you do what he tells you to do. At this moment right now, but 
between now and then, it would require more prayer and surrender. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because So it's easy. When I didn't have kids or had little kids, and I would preach some sermon just like I did tonight, and an 18-year-old would get real fired up, and then I would get letters from parents Mm. and saying, my daughter wants to go to this dangerous place. And I would just holler back and be like, it's probably less dangerous than the American dream that you want her to pursue. It was easy when it wasn't my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I tell you the story when I, I did that to my dad. I was actually 18. Okay. Well, let's hear this. And I went to my dad and I said, the fact that I'm in America is a, is a mystery to me. I, I for, for many years, I thought I was going to spend my life and I still very well may someday. Who knows what God's going to do? I hired you on a phone on a satellite phone, you were in Africa. We had to say over, and you were like, all right, you went over, <laughs> so that we didn't talk over each other. True. It's, it's true. And then you niner, got dengue you fever. on the call? Yeah. Remember? I, I did. I got bit by, it was rough. That was rough. Uh, I got African tick fever, and it was tough. Um, Joby calls. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Your dad. I go to my dad, and I clearly felt the call, of which God, the thing about God is when he speaks a word, if you step into it, He'll just keep bringing clarity along the way. Totally. You know, and so he's he clarified that word over the years for sure. Um, but I went to my dad and I said, I'm going, man. I'm going. College, I'm not doing that, which I did. But at, that, at 18, I was like, I'm going. And my dad looks back at me and he says, how long are you going to be gone and how much is it going to cost? That's all he said. Billy Britt, once again. He said, how long are you going to be gone? How much is it going to cost? It actually shocked me. I was like. Because you were kind of expecting him to talk me out of it. Yeah. Huh. And How's I was like, bluff? well, I don't have any of those answers. <laughs> <laughs> you never understand me. <laughs> because I wasn't banking on you letting me go. I was just trying to have a moment. Right now. <laughs> it's interesting because now I, I just thought about this now. So. I'm uh, 19 years old. I'm a junior in college. I just got accepted to the Medical College of Virginia. My dad, uh, an obstacle, two other obstacles. Um, so sloth and apathy, spiritual complacency is one. Uh, the applause of man. Applause of man. You're yeah. living somebody else's call over your life and not God's call over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, financial commitments. People feel like I'm trapped. I can't leave this job because, you know, those kind of things. So <clears throat> I'm a junior in college. I'm at a Disciple Now weekend. Google it if you don't know what that is. Uh, your boy Wade Morris is preaching. Mm. At a Baptist church, you give a you give a salvation invitation, a rededication, and like a call to full-time vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was there as a volunteer at my church, and I walked down the aisle told my pastor, I think I'm – supposed to be in ministry and then that and that moment i'm trying to justify i'm like trying to still work out the deal all right lord i'll go to med school and i'll be like a medical missionary some i don't know what that means he's got invited me into an internship and he was like you've you've been volunteering in student ministry so you've done the fun stuff why don't you come behind the curtain and still do the unfun stuff all right so then i my mentality is once i'm like resolved that okay i'm gonna go into ministry i'm not gonna be a doctor i'm gonna go into ministry the way I'm wired is I can't do anything a little bit. So it was like, so what's the Green Beret Special Forces of Ministry? Because I don't, I want to sign up for the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. So let's be a missionary. Giglio's hosting a missions conference, or he's headlining a missions conference 
They would do them like once every four years or five. Do you remember these? Chris Tomlin's leading worship. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to this thing. It's about 1,000 college kids. And I've already pre-decided. I'm sure on the last night they're going to give this call to missions, and I'm going to sign up to go to the ends of the earth, wherever it is. Probably get killed. No problem. <clears throat> We're at this weird gym thing where the conference is being held, and it's like the prayer time before you're going to respond. Again, I have already pre-decided that's what I'm going to do. And God tells me, no, no, you're going to raise an army. Mm. I'd say, man, I'm kneeling by this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not raise nothing. I'm going to go. I want to go stand up because they would like bring them up on stage. I was like, I'm going to be one of those. And the Lord was like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I was so confused. Mm. And then I'm a youth pastor. And I remember thinking, all right, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I can either go be a missionary or raise up thousands in a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So there were like two applause of, there, there were like multiple lanes of the applause of man. When I was going to seminary, felt that call, I had to go to my daddy and say, I'm not going to med school. Mm-hmm. And the, the man, my dad's a good dude. He really is. So he's, he doesn't put weird pressures on me or whatever, but he didn't, we didn't even go to church. So he didn't have a category for like mm-hmm. seminary and, you know, being a preacher and for your kid who I got into med school to say, you're not going. Mm. And he gives me this really great line. I've quoted it a bunch of times. Cause he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to be a youth minister. He's like, what? That's like a job. And I was like, yeah. And I'm telling him. And he said, boy, you don't get up and go to fun. You get up and go to work. And I had done my homework to be like, it's a career. Like it's a career. I had to put it in language. He would understand, you know, it's a master's degree. You work for these organizations, you run budgets, you run people, you run teams, you lead stuff, you have, you know, I try mm-hmm. to put it in his, like, the world he was in. And he supported it all the way, even though he didn't understand it. Mm. But, so, on the one hand, I had to do what God called me to do, not my dad. And then even under the umbrella of God's calling, not try to go for, like, the sexiest ministry job, mm-hmm. but just do the one he called me to do. Yeah. The perfect example of like what you've mentioned in the sermon tonight was <clears throat> don't try to lift somebody else's calling. Um, so put yourself in the position of some. So somebody hears what you're saying about getting lulled in the commercials and you know mm-hmm. leveraging it all, and they're gonna not. They're gonna like, all right, fine. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm I'm never buying anything else again. I'm never going out to eat. I'm gonna eat bread crusts and drink water the rest of my life. Like, how would you talk to that person who, and there's probably a lot of people who who listen to this or watch this and they want to react, like something in them wants to react totally the the op, like the poverty side of it. Yeah, so Jesus prayed against that in John 17. Yeah. He's saying, I am not asking that you take them out of this world. Mm-hmm. So we still live, we are supposed to love the people of this world and reject the value systems of this world, but live in this world. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be a missionary in the monastery. Mm-hmm. Like a missionary lives among people, mm. customs, traditions, etc. It is very important. You just do it in a way where those customs and values don't rule over you. Mm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a joy fruit. Com- combo that you've got to really work work through, and it, this, the beauty, the beautiful thing about the series is that it started very much with identity precedes 
activity, as does the gospel, as, as does anything. And when I think about um, if you were to if you were to like swing that way, for most people, what you you're you're self defining what surrender looks like, in the same way that you would self define what freedom looks like in on the other side, versus the letting the Bible define for you what surrender and obedience looks like, and what freedom looks like. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like if you if you go way too far one way or the other, mm-hmm. you get to where you're you're just making up definitions mm-hmm. that the Bible does mm-hmm. not necessarily give to things because God is an and both God mm-hmm. often. And so one of the things that I was thinking about tonight, I, I you know, I, I think calling is often it can be an abused term. And misused and misrepresented. And if you don't get right who God has called you to be, mm-hmm. you will never e- experience the joy or or walk in the fullness of the things that God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's and good, so he has called you to, to be someone. Mm-hmm. He has called you unto himself to be his child. And to receive that as your highest calling, we talked about it the first week. You know that um, will you receive and give love as this really important question? If you, that's the that is it. Will you receive the love of God that He has for you, and then through all the means of your life, give mm-hmm. that love back mm-hmm. through your vocation, through raising a family, through being a husband or a wife? Will you give the love of God? Mm-hmm. Having received the love of God, that's it. At the end of the day, if you're not, on, if you don't receive it, the tank is empty. Mm. If you don't believe it, if you don't trust it, then the tank's empty, and the giving of it is going to be the like. It is. It will be dutiful. Pound. It, you will feel like you are pounding pavement mm-hmm. unto the pleasure of God. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You're just it's just everything's harder than it has to be, everything's sadder than it has to be, everything's costlier than it has to be. I've been there. Mm. And so I'm not I'm I don't bring any judgment with that. I've been there. I've walked that road for many, many, many years where I'm just doing God's will. Mm. I say in quotations because and I'm just staying at it. I'm just staying at it. I'm just staying at it. I'm staying at it. But there's not a whole lot of joy in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the joy of it. Not to say that it's always don't get happy and joy confused, sure. but there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of times where I have served and served and served and served and served from a joyless state, but it didn't have anything to do with what I was doing or not doing. It didn't have anything to do with my job or mm-hmm. my marriage or my. It none of that had anything to do. None of that had an effect on the joylessness one way or the other because. There's only one place the joy can come from. Mm-hmm. There's only one person that joy can mm-hmm. come from. It cannot, my work cannot produce joy. Correct. But I can have joy in my work. Right. Because of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Totally. Goes back to what he said about the righteousness is filthy rags. You know, the I think inevitably if you play out the timeline of somebody who says, I'm gonna just like I'm gonna grit and suffer and look at all the stuff I'm doing. Yes, there's no joy in it, but ultimately it will end with God owes me something for all this, right? Like, I look, 
God, don't you see all that I've given up? Don't you see all the stuff that I've done? Like inevitably there's going to be a, it's, it's almost like it sets you up to expect God to do something that because of all the stuff that you've done, almost like you're putting him in your debt. And that's just not how God plays. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about the person right now that's got whatever. Like this is the first time they've ever really thought about this. Uh-huh. You know, they went to youth group. They didn't really talk about it. They went to college, got crazy for a minute, then sort of got settled in. Now they're at our church. They got a family and they got a job at wherever. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, have I wasted my life? Mm-hmm. As I think about it, man, as long as at some point in your life you say, all right, Lord, I am adhering to Mary's advice. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then God never wastes time. Mm-mm. All right, think about this. We talked about Joseph a few weeks ago. Nobody would be bold enough to say that human trafficking is part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Until you look at Joseph, he was human trafficked, sold into slavery, and yet God was with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think people would say that social injustice and mm-hmm. and putting somebody in jail that's in is a, is a part of God's plan, except that happened. Mm-hmm. And all of that God intended mm-hmm. for God's glory and mm-hmm. Joseph's good. Yeah. So we have the pleasure of meeting so many people that get to a place in their life where they thought they thought it was all about them for so many years, and little did they know God was preparing them, that God was at work in all things, in their schooling, in all of their experience, in all of the chasing after the idols of this world, and God was so good mm-hmm. that he would let them chase those things, find mm-hmm. that they are empty, and then use that, and for some of them, not to change careers, but mm-hmm. just change kings. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the king of me. You're the king of me. Mm-hmm. Man, I can tell you a number of people that I know very, very well in our church that heard sermons like this years ago and said, all right, God, how can you use me? And I know it's going to embarrass them. I don't care. Richard Burke was the president of Advanced Disposal and heard me talking about the stories of Brazil and the people eating out of the trash and said, I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So not only is the way he's running that company – providing for thousands of families and all of that. Mm-hmm. But then he also leveraged his influence, goes to Brazil, gets on like the trash commission for the nation and helps build recycle centers there. And they hire the people mm-hmm. out of the dump so they don't have to live in the dump. Okay. I, you can't do that. Mm-mm. Not working here. You can't do that. I don't care how many mm-hmm. favelas we go to, right? right. I can't do that. Mm. That is a good example of yeah. God not calling him – out of the workplace, but calling mm-hmm. him as a missionary to be a change agent in yeah. it. The list goes on and on and on. The number of folks that this is Bob Buford's line, not mine in halftime that the, a big chunk of their life, they were chasing success. Then they, then they realized the King had a different plan for sure. And they began to leverage it for significance. Mm-hmm. That is a legit way mm-hmm. to live out the five talent life. Without your career changing. Totally. But I can't tell you. I mean, just a few people in vocations that I know that are walking this out yeah. to the Richard Burks. I know real estate agents who lit, their job to them literally is like, like they really literally see it as a ministry. For sure. Because mm-hmm. they're helping people find a home by which mm. health and life and joy and children and things, good things can grow. Correct. And one of the ways, like my friend that does this every time, he'll always ask uh, when they're walking through a house, hey, man, can we just pray that if this is the house God has for you, right? that he would make it known? And the number of stories that have come from that, from mm-hmm. somebody 
mm-hmm. just from him saying, can, can we take 10 seconds and just say, God, if this is the right house, make it known. Mm-hmm. Which is brilliant and, because people are are never more like uneasy and 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 need God to move than when you're buying a house, regardless of what you believe about <laughs> right. anything. You're like, what? Yeah, okay. Who are we asking? Yes, please yes. get involved. Yeah, and I'm, I've almost never, I've never heard anybody ever say no to somebody saying, pray. can we pray together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what they believe and where they come sure. from, like mm-hmm. just out of gen, right. normal respect. People. So teachers, mm-hmm. bro, mm-hmm. my daughter's teachers, a lot of them go here. Right. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable impact. Mm-hmm. Not just on my kids, but on the other kids, like mm-hmm. especially the kids that carry a lot of hurt and are in tough situation, much mm-hmm. tougher situations than my kids are in. Um, that like the the ministry that they have to these families and the mm-hmm. amount of patience and virtue and character and goodness mm-hmm. that they're implanting into these little hearts and in these little souls. Like I'm 40 years old, and I I still remember my third grade teacher being my favorite teacher ever. Because she because she took the time to laugh with me, mm. like again, my I don't know why that mattered so much, but I had great great coaches and teachers along the way. But I just think about teachers, you know, like uh, we have some friends that are bankers, and every not just financial resource, but every like chamber of commerce they sit on, every yeah. mm. everything they leverage to the best of their ability. Mm. In or not for their bank's sake, but for the gospel's sake, sure. and their bank is a means. Mm. And so, there's no profession and the that you financial planning that they're helping with folks, and the amount of I mean, I know some financial planners that, that I mean, we know them really well, and they're helping people discover God's plan of generosity mm-hmm. in their life. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think of car salesmen that are helping plant churches and other car lot owners here that for are sure. just like the first ones to say, "How do we bless people? How do we help people?" Mm-hmm. I think you you've got some kind of funny lines about eleven twenty two. You'll say something like pound for pound, you take the core of our church and we could put us up against anybody. Totally. Okay. In regards to what I'm talking about right now, mm-hmm. you take the core of our people pound for pound. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. there's a lot for us to give glory to God for sure. In these folks. But we've been talking about this for ten years. Yeah. It's this, not, it's really unbelievable. It is really unbelievable. The the amount of and I don't think any one of them would stand up and give testimony and say, I feel like I'm being greatly used by God. No, they don't. Right? I, yeah. But that said, mm. they should feel that way, and they mm. are. And it really is amazing the way that God is using – this is the church, man. The That's way that it. God is using the different parts of this body mm. in order to bring about his glory and fame and renown in our city and And around the world. I would be remiss if I didn't also mention there is an army of volunteers around here, serve staff. Um, Particularly, there's an army of stay-at-home moms. And because of the way, you know, their kids are in school or whatever, and they leverage the time that they have here at this place, this place, this, this local expression of the body of Christ could not function without the unbelievable serve staff that gives their time and effort and energies. And and like we've said before, oftentimes those folks are the real frontline disciple makers. Wait, mm-hmm. I mean, every bit as much as I am, the mm-hmm. disciple group leaders, the all of the serve staff. Mm-hmm. It really is incredible. It is incredible. So if you're listening out there and that's you, thank you. Yeah, no doubt. I have two quotes I want to read. Okay. To, to kind of deep dive into 
I'm going to say the name of this book I read just because it's the most awesome name of any book that I've ever read. Mm. It's epic. It is epic. And I encourage everyone to read it. And you will need many dictionaries in order and to understand helmet. the word. And a helmet. <laughs> the books, the title of the book is Acedia and Its Discontents, The Metaphysics of Boredom in an Empire of Desire. Okay. The heart of the book is what we were talking about er earlier, sloth, spiritual complacency, apathy, lethargy is corrosive at the core of it is eating specifically the church, but it is just tearing apart culture. The phones are not helping. It has, the book is packed. In the the gist of the book is this. The problem as diagnosed by the book, the problem is not that there is nothing to do in the world, but that I do not know what to do with myself. Hmm. That's the diagnosis of the book. Okay. That is very true. That there's not a person in the world that looks around and doesn't see and isn't just an inch away from opportunity to step into blessing someone else or giving time, giving effort, giving a... So there is clear that there are things to do. People just don't know what to do with themselves. So how would you how would you encourage them to get get at it? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, I love what you said tonight, Pastor Joby, about you, what you connected was this idea of talent, vocation, and being a doer of the word. Mm -hmm. And even as we've been talking, it just, it strikes me how simple it is, you know, like do, do what he's told you to do. And we already know a lot, if not all that he's told us to do. And you said earlier, do just do something. Have you ever had a day where you, <clears throat> you were feeling sorry for yourself and you were like struggling with something and you remembered by God's grace that you should encourage somebody else and, and a, how much of a difference that that made? Like, I, I could, I feel like I could spend an hour on my own problem or my own, like, just trying to solve it or think about it or wonder why it's there. But five minutes of like a conversation with somebody, just telling, telling them how much I appreciate them or asking them, how can I pray with them or for them? And it just like, in, in, a, in that moment, it just, it, it changes. So, uh, I mean, I struggle with that. You know, if you're, if I think we all do, you know, being kind of caught up inside of ourselves, but getting out of yourself, I think solves a lot of that. You don't have to figure it out. Just get out of your own way. The way I would respond to that is vocationally, I do not feel that at all. I haven't since we planted the church. In, in regards to like God's call in my life, there's only been two times where it got a little like eh. one. I've talked to about it, about it before when I was at the church in Athens. I thought maybe I'm done. Okay, mm -hmm. thank God for Gretchen's voice of reason in my life. And then when we planted this one, there was for sure like, what am I doing? Okay, but no, I wake up every single day. I know what I'm doing. I know what God's called me to do. I hope I get to do it. I literally, we were talking about it. I'd like to preach my own funeral. That'd be great. Show a bunch of clips of me preaching. <laughs> I'll invite people to go to heaven, and I'm already there. Okay, mm -hmm. so. But I think if I could, like, give commentary to the parable of the talents. I don't know if I'm a two-talent guy or a five-talent guy, but just for the sake of math. 
All right. I think what I do is invest like four and a half talents. And here's what I mean. I'll get to work today, man, all day. Do the meetings, pray, get ready to preach, do the thing, bro. And then go home and think I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I ain't done. And what I primarily mean is I know the Lord is saying, pray with your wife before you go to bed mm-hmm. out loud. And then for whatever reason, I just go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing in me that, like, you deserve to clock out. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or walk across the street and love your neighbor. Or the one neighbor that you, you don't even like. <laughs> Build the bridge. And then, man, I can do the, like, I've, I've, I'm all good, man. I've done mm-hmm. all the things. I've mm-hmm. preached. Ten people got saved. I bapt- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've done very mm-hmm. spiritual things, and mm-hmm. now I'm done. That's that's how he can get me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think what I do there is it is so clear for me what to do in one area of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't pursue that same kind of clarity in other areas of my life mm-hmm. that are outside of what I do here. Well, you mentioned it. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? How deep seated this idea of like my activity proves something, mm-hmm. it's, and all of us like we just say, look what I did. You talk about that identity piece; it's so powerful. But every single one of us thinks, look what I did. I've earned my I've earned my way today. I'm I'm good. You know, we point to our actions. The, when you're you're for sure the thing when you're talking and knowing you as well as I I know you is you are gripped with purpose it's just got a hold of you mm-hmm. and the this the the statement the problem is not that there's nothing to do but that i don't know what to do with myself what that is is a revelation that you are not gripped with purpose that, that you by the power of jesus christ and the indwelling of the holy spirit and the revelation of the gospel of jesus christ when it's what the puritans used to say and I've talked about this at our church, that when getting saved is a pretty n- new way to explain what happens when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That is not, you know, I mean, Paul says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. And right. so it's not wrong. But the the way the Puritans used to explain it, when someone would hear the gospel and respond, they would say, this person has now been seized mm-hmm. by the power of a great affection. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So the question I always, when I look around at people who would profess to be Christians, people, but they're not living gripped right. by purpose. Mm-hmm. They, they, nothing glorious has seized their imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they have just not been seized by the power of a great affection, mm-hmm. or something is going on in there that that power of that great affection has just been like covered up with some dirt and some junk or whatever. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but that would be my my real question to to anybody listening to this sermon is, yes, what is God calling you to do? Yes, it starts with who God's called you to be. Yeah, but, but let me just ask you a question. Knock out all the noise. Am I doing the right thing? Not doing the right thing? Am I building the right list? Am I going to the right places? Am I all that's important? Great. Have you been seized by the power of a great affection? Once it grabs you, once he grabs you, 
it makes those days when you're feeling sorry for yourself or those weeks or those seasons, I'm just telling you, they just get shorter and shorter mm-hmm. and shorter and shorter. Because the power of that great affection is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And it is de-weeding. Mm. It is pushing out mm-hmm. the dark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is the the, the glorious yeah. part of... So, second quote I'll let, give let you. Let me say one more thing. Please, please do. So, something I've been doing... Um, if you, go, if you don't go to San Pablo, you wouldn't notice. I don't know if anybody noticed this because all the attention's on something else. Typically, I walk out during the bumper video and get my junk ready and, you know, like, whatever. But we're, we've been baptizing people for how many weeks in a row now? Four, this whole Four. series? Four? Five, five. Okay. So I don't want to miss them. I don't want to miss... Okay. And so nothing has encouraged me more right before I preach to just walk out there and see this individual who... I don't know that I've known any of them yet, but to just realize I am a part of what God is using to lead this person to be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get over that. Mm -hmm. If you ever get over that, turn in your resignation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? For sure. It is. I mean, every story we hear, I'm like, that's the best best one I've ever heard in my life. Oh, are you kidding me? That guy tonight, man. I mean, with the things that he's been through, and then he's he's just declaring Jesus, Preaching, and then yeah. and then the other thing, our people right now, the like immediate leaping to your feet, standing ovation, and roaring, mm. you're just like, what are we yeah. a part of this yeah. thing? How do you how do you not just throw your hat all into the ring and say, mm. I want in on that kind of stuff right there? Okay, isn't their face incredible too? Like the, the smile when somebody comes up, you know, and just the joy. I just I, I never get tired of watching that. It's beautiful. It is, man. I mean, that's worth giving your life for. Oh, for sure. And all your money and all your time and all Mm. your prayers. And I mean, it is, it is worth just giving your whole life for. I had the guy that got baptized last week that owns the tattoo parlor at San Pablo. I haven't met him yet, but I look forward to meeting him. And I'm so thankful for that. Like, he, I don't think he'll ever understand the impact his testimony. A little bit of it that he shared with us had on my soul. Like I just was so filled and fueled by hearing him give testimony. I grabbed him after the service, and just for those of you listening that didn't see it, he's he's tattooed head to toe, man. I mean, full face tattoos, and in his testimony, he says something to the effect of, "I wish people could see past." my face and see what God's done in my heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. When that brother came out of the water and the way our church cheered, it's truly evident that it's things of movement for all people. So I wanted to get face to face with him after the service. I did. And I just let him know. I said, bro, I need you to know that's the loudest this church has ever roared for anything ever. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the family. Mm -hmm. It was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. So that is worth giving your life to, man. Mm -hmm. That is... It's worth it all. Praise God, man. Then next quote to dig into and then shut her down or however you want to do it, Pastor Vinky. But the quote is this. It says, we become the people we are meant to be by what we choose to do again. We become the people we are meant to be by what we choose to do again. Another way to say that would be we become the people we are by what we choose to do again. 
because you could not ever step into who God purposed you to be by choosing to do again and again certain activities that are not going to lead you in that direction. Mm-hmm. Attentions are, to your point earlier in the sermon, intentions are... Yeah, worthless. We, so that's it. We become the people we are by what we choose to do again. What is a repeated, repeatable behavior you would give to anybody trying to step into God's will and God's next in their life? That Do this again and again and again and okay. again and again and again. So pop quiz. This is the year of... Worship. That's it, man. <clears throat> worship does... So we become what we worship. It's a version of saying this. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the first things you're doing when you worship is you are displacing you from the throne of your own life. Mm-hmm. You are... With your words and your posture, mm-hmm. and especially corporate worship, you know, you're saying, we're all agreeing I'm not the point right now. <laughs> he is the point, okay? Mm-hmm. So you do that. You're posturing yourself in humble adoration towards the Lord. You're reminding yourself of His goodness. You're reminding yourself of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I would not limit it to the singing portion, okay? It, it is mm-hmm. it is not only singing. It's never less than that. Mm-hmm. But the... The worship of God as the church, don't ever stop doing that. Don't ever stop doing that. We learned a lot over the last couple of years. You're right. Mm-hmm. About how, I ain't trying to get political, worship, the church gathering is essential, bro. Mm-hmm. It's essential. Mm-hmm. If there's a season in your life where you can't make it, no problem, man. Watch online, praise God, right? You just had a baby, you got to take a few weeks off. You, uh, all the things, right? There are many physical reasons where wisdom would say, cool, worship with us online. But whatever you do, don't start gathering with the saints and worshiping. Mm-hmm. It it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. And if it doesn't, you ain't doing it ask right. God <laughs> that it would, mm-hmm. and you ain't doing it right. Mm-hmm. Right. There's this Psalm, Psalm 73, I think, and the psalmist is saying how he's envious of other people. He's talking about the comparison. He said he's looking at these people and like, that's such an easy life and all this stuff. And uh, he says, when I felt this way, I was like an animal. I was like, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. But then I went to the sanctuary and then I discerned their end and their life's but a breath. And so the like it saved him from the comparison trap mm. to worship because he could see that while they were so caught up in having a great life and having all the food and whatever they, they needed, they didn't have hope in God. So one of the things we'll learn as we study the Psalms this summer is that worship is appropriate no matter the season of life that you're in. Mm-hmm. It's always the right response, mm-hmm. okay? So <clears throat> when, when you're glad, then you enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's worship as a reminder to worship the blesser, not the blessing. Okay. And when you're downcast, mm-hmm. it is a reminder that he's in control tonight after the service. This sweet lady that's there every Thursday night, she's just crying her face off. And her husband just says, he just kind of leans over to me and goes, she lost her dad today. Mm. Oh. And so she comes up, she's just crying. And, 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 I, thought, and I just said it, I said, I'm so sorry. And I told a funeral story. I mean, come on, man. I that's rough. Mm. So she hugs and cries and and I and I walk her through a little bit. God's given us emotion to navigate life, mm-hmm. but good job being here. And she says some stuff I've already said this year. So sometimes you gotta just worship through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what she said. She said, I had to be here. Mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna cry. I'm, I'm gonna miss my dad. He was eighty five years old. Mm. Glory to God. Mm. And worship is the right response, whether it's Thanksgiving. 
or tears of mm-hmm. sadness that we're called to worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Orient, orients us, an- anchors us. Um, I was thinking about worship uh, because it's a word that we use. You know, you say, well, it's more than singing. It is at least that, but it's more. And, and we still use it like, hey, come worship with us or, you know, not, not stand for worship. You know, we, mm-hmm. so we use that word. It can be a little confusing. We've been talking a lot about ministry tonight, and that's I think it's a similar word mm-hmm. because we can use it like well, you know when I knew I was going to go into ministry, but then everybody's in ministry, so it can be, it's understandable why it can be confusing to people. But minister just means serve, and, and I love that we've talked about how the body is a body with many parts. And you were talking earlier about the people who have the gift of like the gift of generosity mm-hmm. or the gift of like expertise in a certain field, which. I don't have, and so praise God for those for those people. Um, what, and as we've been talking, I've been thinking um, the 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 simplicity of a person being able to grasp, no matter where they are, I need to live on mission and not see the difference. Um, what is the what encouragement would you give to the that that person as we're sort of wrapping up? You know, um, to see their life as like, I am, ministry means service. I'm mm-hmm. serving God. You know, that's, that's what the word means. So how, how could, I want, to, I want us to pray for the for the people who are listening because man, that would change the world, right? For for everybody listening to, to be able to see their life that way. But any, any final encouragements for, for those people? <clears throat> so this would go back to do whatever he tells you to do. Uh, Jesus says in Acts 1-8, and you will receive power mm-hmm. when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. Mm-hmm. And then he gives four different places. Mm. So nobody's called. To, everybody's not called to the same place, mm-hmm. right? So it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So leaning into the prompting of the Holy Spirit matters like crazy. Mm. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, and we are talking about witness, we're not just talking about nice for nicety's sake. Yes. Be the good guy at work for the good guy's sake. Mm-hmm. You should be the good guy at work so that people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes. Amen. Okay. So the power only comes, though, from the Spirit of God and His mm-hmm. prompting. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to that. You want yeah. Jesus to answer a prayer in your life? Say this, dear God, give me an opportunity at work to be a witness for you, mm-hmm. and then open your ears and do what He says. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about share your faith around here, I do want to broaden that. It is beyond just sharing the four spiritual laws at the water cooler and then mm-hmm. ask somebody if they were to die tonight where they're going to go. Okay, mm-hmm. It could include that mm-hmm. for sure. It's just not the only thing it means to be a witness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ from beginning to the end, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm having a conversation today with a guy who's 50s, and his friend just is retiring from a lucrative career like in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days ago, he starts tech the, the friend from Wall Street is texting our friend at like 1 o'clock. And he's like, how is this guy? You don't get to text at 1 o'clock when you're on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So he goes to his LinkedIn page. The guy's retiring. Mm-hmm. Big old big old payout, you know. Mm-hmm. So our friend calls him after a little conversation the Wall Street guy who knew our friend who used to be on Wall Street says, bro, you're just different. You're a totally different person. And then the guy asked this question. Is it just because you're getting older or is it the church thing? Because our friend goes to church a lot now. Bro, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be a witness. Bro, if that ain't the 
Spirit of God tossing you a softball. For sure. You should say words about Jesus in church, right? Okay. So sometimes it's sharing the gospel. Sometimes it's sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened to me. That's like John Nine Blind Man stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't answer all your questions. Here's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's sharing a burden. The reason people will always agree to pray, at least people will agree to be prayed for, mm-hmm. is because it's an opportunity for you to bear one another's burden. How can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. That's a great opportunity for you to be on mission at work. Mm-hmm. Amen. At lunch, I pray. How can I pray for you? Even if they don't respond, here's what will happen. When the wheels fall off of their life, they'll come to the pray person. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sometimes you share an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you just share another cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Like... You continue to build that relationship. And the difference, like in, if you say, well, how do I know which one to do? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Mm-hmm. So just do what he says to do. Mm-hmm. You've got to be, man, you want to change your prayer life. You start praying, God, use me at work. God, use me at school. Mm-hmm. Then what has to happen is when you say amen, your prayer is not done. You still have to have the open communication to be mm-hmm. on the receiving end mm-hmm. of when God answers your prayer yeah. and says, go get them now. So for me, now, I, admittedly, I'm a bold person. People can ask me Bible questions. It doesn't intimidate me. I'm used to this. Mm-hmm. There have been multiple times standing in line at Walmart and God goes, get them or pay for their groceries and ask what's wrong with them or mm-hmm. even some stuff that I don't even necessarily know that I should know about a person. And mm-hmm. I just get a sense and I'm like, here's what I've decided. I don't know if this is biblically accurate or not. There will be a day where I stand before the king and give an account. Mm-hmm. And if I just made up the thing in my mind and just ask God, hey, man, are you okay? Are you really okay? And, and Jesus says to me, why'd you do that, man? I'd be like, oh, I thought you told me to. But what I don't want to do is stand before him and he'd go, you know I told you to ask that guy at Walmart if he was okay. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do it? I just refuse to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I want to when This is why you better pray a lot and read your Bible a lot mm. so you don't make up some stuff that are outside <laughs> of his revealed word. Right. If I... I want to be the kind of person that is full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and so just the, the slightest nudge to get mm. them that I can just mm-hmm. go. Mm. That's what I would say. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, would you pray for the, for the folks in our church and anybody listening? Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, you're so good and you're so gracious. And Lord, you have called us to so much more. Lord, I pray that the the words that Pastor Britt was quoting from um, generations ago. Lord, I pray that they would just uh, resound in our heart, that we would be gripped with a greater affection. Mm. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for Mm. the people in this church. Uh, We three here as pastors are so unbelievably blessed Mm. that of all the flocks in the world that we get called to shepherd, You let us shepherd this one. Mm -hmm. What an amazing people. Lord, I I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray against the spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. the fear that would cause a man or woman who has been given a talent by you to feel like their best option is to go and dig a ground and dig a hole in the ground and hide it. Lord, Mm -hmm. I pray that by the power of God, you would allow them to go and dig that thing up and risk it all for your kingdom Mm -hmm. and for your glory. And in so doing, their joy. Mm Mm-hmm. God, I pray, I pray right now for the lives that will be changed, the ministries that will be started, mm-hmm. the um, the folks that you will call into full-time vocational ministry, and the mission field that will be flooded with your children. Mm-hmm. 
because you use this calling in their life. And Lord, would you give them the faith to be obedient to what you've called them to do? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.